WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Monday. It's September 25th. WABC time check is 501 right now, sponsored by Belova Watches. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Rain continues this morning and into this afternoon. Widespread fog also expected as what was Tropical Storm Ophelia, now a tropical depression, continues to make an impact on the tri-state. Flooding reported, especially in coastal areas. And expect steady temperatures today in the low 60s. Tonight, more rain. Overnight, low into Tuesday. The overnight low, 56. And then tomorrow, rain possible early, giving way to clouds. 63 will will top out on Tuesday. Wednesday, mostly sunny. 66 the high. We've got 61 degrees in Midtown Manhattan. 59 in Oakland, New Jersey. 62 in Oyster Bay on Long Island. And that's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So today is Yom Kippur for members of the Jewish faith. It's one of the high holy days, the Day of Atonement. And as I'm filling in for Noam Layden for that very reason, I asked him to catch me up on the holiday. So Noam, since I'm a Gentile, I need this explained because, you know, growing up a Protestant uh, and, you know, having Catholic friends, I know all about confessional. We used to say the prayer of confession in church. But what does it mean to atone for your sins? Like, is that sort of like you're supposed to spend time thinking about the bad stuff you did over the last year or asking for forgiveness? Is it like that? First of all, you didn't have to tell me that you were a Gentile. (laughs) (laughs) It's that obvious. Yeah, that was pretty clear from the moment I met you. But, um, yeah, so the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, is when you... Uh, ask for forgiveness from God. It's the holiest day of the year. And so that's why I'm taking the day off. I actually may take the following day off, too, because it's been a long year for me. Is it a significant thing that it's so close to Rosh Hashanah and the new year? Like, is it just kind of like, okay, new year starts, time to look back on what we did? Great question. I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention in Hebrew school that day. What about the food that you guys eat when you do? Because you fast, right? You, what What about when you break the fast? What's the best food? Do you get some good brisket? Is there comes like a maybe a challah bread of some kind yeah. that you're looking forward to? Well, you know how the Jews are, right? It's not enough to just suffer and uh, atone for your sins for an entire day. You will fast as well. So you're kind of concentrated on the fact that you're atoning, but you're also kind of concentrating on the fact that you're really hungry. But no, you don't end the day with a brisket because that's kind of like a heavy food. So it's like, you know, bagel, a schmear, maybe. Um, a little locks on that, and you call it a day. And by the way, shout out to our weekend producer, Kevin Drosch, because he had a great call over the weekend. Speaking of schmear, and we'll get into this story today, U.S. Senator Bob Menendez, New Jersey's senior senator, he calls it a smear campaign against him after he was indicted on Friday. And Kevin Drosch brilliantly said that schmear campaign would be a great name for a bagel place. Let's get into our top five headlines this morning. The top five at five. What was Tropical Storm Ophelia continues to cause wet and rainy conditions around the tri-state, plus coastal flooding in spots. U.S. Senator Bob Menendez, New Jersey's senior senator, indicted on Friday. He's scheduled to hold a press conference today. It's now day 11 of the United Auto Workers strike. President Biden will join the UAW picket line tomorrow. 
Meanwhile, the Hollywood writer's strike appears to be ending. The WGA, the Writers Guild of America, reportedly has a deal in place with the Hollywood studios. And finally, it's a grim milestone for the FDNY here over 22 years after the 9-11 attacks. So Ophelia has weakened. The storm that was a tropical storm is now a tropical depression. It really hammered Virginia and the Carolinas this weekend, bringing heavy rain and gusty winds to the entire northeast. Forecasters say the post-tropical cyclone that made landfall in North Carolina Saturday will linger in the region Monday as it moves offshore. The storm brought down trees and left tens of thousands of customers without power. Some coastal communities were flooded out by the dangerous storm surge. States like Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts can expect rain through the start of the new work week. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, parts of South Jersey had some notable flooding in our area. Storm surge was around one to three feet. But, you know, down in the mid-Atlantic, it got up to as high as six feet. You know, sometimes that storm surge is one of the biggest concerns. We know that for sure in our area, thinking back to Superstorm Sandy. But the rainfall in and of itself, also significant. So watch out for, you know, puddling on the roadways today. And obviously, if you see any major water, don't try to drive through it. New Jersey senior Senator Democrat Bob Menendez, he says he won't resign after he and his wife were indicted on federal bribery charges by a Manhattan grand jury on Friday. Those are federal charges, like we said. Menendez has been a senator for New Jersey since 2006. He did on Friday step down as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and that's something that he did temporarily when he was facing previous corruption charges back in 2015. Uh, Those charges eventually ended up in a hung jury, so the charges were eventually dropped. Governor Phil Murphy, a fellow Democrat, he's called on Menendez to resign. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams unsealing the indictment, alleging Senator Menendez accepted cash, gold bars, and gifts from three New Jersey businessmen. The senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in exchange for Senator Menendez using his power and influence to protect and to enrich those businessmen and to benefit the government of Egypt. Menendez will reportedly stay on as senator and fight those charges. This is the second time he's been charged with corruption, with the first time back in 2015 ending in a mistrial. Noam Layton, WABC News. And per the New York Post, uh, Menendez is expected to, like we said earlier, hold a press conference today. Believe it or not, this is not him you know, setting up to announce his resignation or anything like that. Reports say he's going to announce he will seek re-election. So the 69-year-old Democrat says, I'm not going anywhere. There's been numerous top officials that have called him, called on him to resign, including, like we said, Democrats. But that press conference will be this morning. It'll be held in Bergen County. So we'll have plenty to say on this Menendez story throughout the morning. WABC News Time 509. So today's expected press conference will be Senator Menendez's first in-person comments since this indictment was handed up on Friday. And New York Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she commented on the Menendez case over the weekend, appearing on CBS's Face the Nation and saying... Consistency matters. It shouldn't matter whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. The details in this indictment are extremely serious. The New Jersey Globe also speculates that it'll be a re-election bid announcement for Menendez this morning. I think I said it was going to be in Bergen County. That was wrong. It's Hudson County. And that's where Menendez grew up. It's also where he launched his political career. That was when he was a 20-year-old school board member back then. And a couple of Democrats have already announced they will run a primary challenge against Menendez, including Representative Andy Kim, a Democrat from Moorestown, 
There's also Lawrence Ham, a former Newark, Newark, I should say, school board member and chairman of a social justice advocacy group. On Friday, Menendez did postpone his 13th annual Hispanic Heritage Month celebration. Broadway star, creator of, um, why can't I think of it, Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, scheduled to be there. Menendez did step down as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on Friday. And just looking at some of the op-eds over the weekend that discussed the case, Jonathan Turley in The Hill talked about Goldilocks corruption, saying that, in essence, the standard for many lawmakers in Washington, D.C. is getting corruption just right. So, you know, you don't take too much money, you don't take too little, you're kind of trying to get right in that sweet spot of alleged influence making and so on and so forth. And, again, this this op-ed from Jonathan Turley that I read over the weekend alleges that Menendez was just kind of, you know, obvious or overt in his corruption. And the indictment from federal prosecutors alleges that Menendez started taking handouts immediately after he was acquitted in that previous case back in 2015, where Dr. Solomon Melgen from Southern Florida, uh, who's an accused Medicare fraud uh, doctor, he supposedly was involved with Menendez, getting them all kinds of benefits and so on and so forth. So, you know, allegedly, right after he was acquitted in that case, he was putting his hand back in the cookie jar. And a Washington Post op-ed, this was sent to us by WABC owner-operator John Katzmatidis over the weekend to take a look at, it basically blasted New York Senator Chuck Schumer for backing Menendez up until this point. Now, that might be a little bit of an overstatement in terms of what Schumer's had to say. He hasn't called on Menendez to step down, and not all senators have. I think it was Dick Durbin over the weekend who said, you know, that's between Menendez and the people of New Jersey. Now, of course, the people of New Jersey have no say as to whether or not Menendez steps down. But in this Washington Post op-ed written by Ruth Marcus, she says, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I've spent my career covering political corruption cases. She says she's not naive. She doesn't shock easily. But she calls the Menendez indictment jaw-dropping and says the corrupt conduct that's alleged is so heavy-handed, it reads straight out of a John Grisham novel. And again, she was very criti- uh, critical of Schumer, saying this is his dedicated public servant. So there's pressure on both sides now uh, for Menendez to potentially step down. And later this morning, we'll talk a little bit about how on Thursday, the House Republicans are holding their first public impeachment inquiry into President Biden. And it's not lost on many people kind of some of the parallels between what Menendez is accused of doing and what Biden's accused of doing, which is in essence, you know, saying, hey, look, you give me some money. I know the right people to speak to if you're trying to get this done or if you're trying to avoid this. And in the case of Menendez, he's alleged to have said, I'll go talk to the Department of Justice to try to help these Egyptian businessmen potentially get around some allegations of bank fraud. In terms of President Biden, he'll be on the move this week, joining the United Auto Workers picket line tomorrow. Biden sent out a message on X that he was going to go to Michigan and stand in solidarity with the workers as they fight for a, quote, fair share of the value they helped create. That's Biden's view on it. And UAW President Sean Fain had announced late last week that he's sending more workers to the picket line since substantial progress wasn't really made with the big three automakers. Apparently, Ford did agree to some of the union's demands, but there's still, quote, work to be done with GM and Stellantis. Union workers within UAW, they're looking for a 40% pay increase, cost of living adjustments, and pensions for all workers. 
A tentative agreement has been reached between the Writers Guild of America and Hollywood's top studios. They've reached that in an effort to end the ongoing writer strike. The Guild, the Writers Guild, released a statement yesterday saying the deal was, quote, made possible by the enduring solidarity of WGA members and extraordinary support from our union siblings. Picket suspended as of last night. The writers' walkout had begun more than 140 days ago and essentially brought the TV and film industry to a halt. Union members still do need to formally vote to end the walkout. And, by the way, actors continue their strike as SAG-AFTRA hasn't reached a deal with the Hollywood unions. And it's a grim milestone for the fire department, a grim milestone for FDNY, as the number of firefighters who have died of 9-11-related illness, 343, now matches the death toll from the day the Twin Towers fell. So 343 firefighters killed that tragic day. Since then, from cancer and other illnesses, 343 members have died. The most recent, EMT Hilda Veneta and retired fighter fighter Robert Fulco. The 342nd and 343 FDNY firefighters to die from illness associated with 9-11. WABC News Time, 515. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning. And we're going to get our first check of sports here this morning and chat with Ken Connolly on all the things that happened in the sports world this weekend. Ken? Good, Good morning, morning, James. James. A, rough a rough day for the, for the Jets, Jets yesterday, yesterday as they, they dropped their 15th straight game to the Patriots, losing 15-10 to 10 at home. home. Quarterback, Quarterback Zach, Zach Wilson's struggles continue as he threw for just 157 yards and was, and was sacked three times, once, once for a safety. Wilson, Wilson owned, owned up to his rough performance. You know, it's just me. I've gotten way, way better. better. Um, we're going to go back and watch this film. We're going to find all those things, find out how we can improve. Monday Night Football doubleheader tonight. The Buccaneers host the Eagles. That's a 7-15 kickoff. And the Bengals host the Rams. That's an 8-15 kickoff. The Yankees were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs over the weekend for the first time since 2016 after falling to the Diamondbacks 7-1 to yesterday. Carlos Rodon went 6 and a third, giving up five runs, three of them earned on five hits, walked one and struck out four en route to being given the loss. Here was manager Aaron Boone on missing the postseason. Um, it sucks. I mean, we, you know, it's, that's what you work hard towards. All, all year round, you know, the winter time, spring training, on through the season with, for an opportunity to play in October and compete for a championship. So, um, you know, the reality of that not being, uh, you know, in play is, you know, you know, sucks. Saturday's game that was postponed is being played this afternoon. That's a 1-15 first pitch. Clark Schmidt takes the hill. As for the Mets, they were swept by the Phillies in a four-game set, losing yesterday 5-2. to The Bats mustered up just three total hits. Jose Buto was given the loss after going four innings, giving up four runs, all four of them earned, on four hits, walking two and striking out five. They play the Marlins tomorrow in Queens. That's a 7-10 first pitch. Joey Lucchese will take the mound. Here with your sports update, I'm Ken Connolly on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So another big story around both our area in terms of its impact potentially on Wall Street and down in Washington, D.C., Everybody's paying attention to September 30th as the upcoming deadline to potentially avoid a government shutdown. 
And a bipartisan House caucus says its one objective is to keep the lights on. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, New Jersey Democrat Congressman Josh Gottheimer and Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick says they're pushing to get a Keep America Open bill on the House floor in time to avoid a potential government shutdown. Like we said, September 30th, the deadline there. Gottheimer and Fitzpatrick co-chairs of the bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus, made up of 32 Republicans and 32 Democrats, both congressmen, said the caucus is trying to do what's in the best interest of all Americans and try to keep the government running here. So we'll see what the latest is with that as they keep it going down in D.C. September 30th, like we said, the deadline. In our area, New Jersey State Police say they're working to identify a body that washed up on Point Pleasant Beach more than a week after a boater disappeared. And cops say the body found Saturday afternoon near Channel Drive that had washed ashore from the Manasquan Inlet. And that's where 21-year-old Derek Narby of Brick Township had disappeared after the boat he was riding in capsized in rough surf. Back on September 14th, Narby's father and brother were on board. They were rescued from the inlet, clinging to a cooler. NJ.com reports that searchers had been sidelined Saturday due to Tropical Storm Ophelia, which caused 10-foot waves down there in Point Pleasant. Of course, heavy rain and plenty of wind as well. Over the weekend, we learned that acting New York State Police Superintendent Stephen Negrelli has resigned following allegations and an investigation into claims he harassed or mistreated employees, including women. Negrelli had been acting superintendent since October of last year. That's when Superintendent Kevin Bruin stepped down. Bruin was investigated for allegedly protecting a human resources official that he was friends with from internal complaints. And Negrelli's resignation on Friday came after he basically learned he wouldn't get the full-time job. New York State Police, they're part of the investigation into what happened last week, last Thursday afternoon, when a deadly bus crash happened in Weiwei Yanda on I-84. It killed two people from Farmingdale High School, the marching band director, 43-year-old Gina Pelletieri, and 77-year-old Beatrice Ferrari, who was a retired teacher and chaperone. Working on the trip, the group had been headed out to band camp in Pennsylvania, and that's when the front left tire of the charter bus blew out, causing the bus to crash and roll over. It went down an embankment. The NTSB is investigating. Investigator John Hum says his team, who's working alongside the New York State Police, will be on scene for about a week. Our goal is to find out what happened, why it happened, and to make safety recommendations to reduce the chance that this sort of accident never happens again. Hum said part of his investigation will include a toxicology test on the female bus driver. They'll also be looking to see if students were wearing their seatbelts. At least 18 students and adults were still hospitalized as of late in the weekend. The Farmingdale School Superintendent to provide an update on some of the students that were injured. Three of the five students that were listed in critical condition following that crash at Westchester County Medical Center have been upgraded to fair condition. According to Superintendent Paul DeFendini, all five students do remain hospitalized. And we also saw reports over the weekend that that female bus driver that they're going to conduct a toxicology test on had a, quote, unacceptable rating from the State Department of Transportation, Regency Transportation, the bus company involved, also being looked at. Not too far away from Orange County on Friday night in West Milford, There was a house explosion. It happened around 9 o'clock that night, injuring five people who had to be taken to the hospital by medical helicopter. Keith Coster is a neighbor. Kids started freaking out. It sounded like my house was going to collapse. Came over here, tried to help out as best I could. I don't know. There was really nothing for me to do. But uh, 
I saw five people come out that were in decent shape. Like they, you know, I can't believe that anybody lived. The house is completely gone. Yeah, this man lives nearby. He spoke to Freedom News. To see that house, there's nothing left. I mean, it's completely level right to the foundation. Parts of it laying all over the road, glass, debris, like two blocks down on top of one guy's house. So we told you about the grim, and by the way, the cause of that investigation, the cause of that explosion still under investigation. We told you about the grim milestone that 9-11, the 9-11 related milestone that the FDNY recorded over the weekend. We also found out that a man charged as a defendant in the 9-11 terrorist attacks is not fit to stand trial in a death penalty case. That was a ruling that came down from a military judge at Guantanamo Bay late last week. The judge ruled that the defendant, Ramsey bin al-Shabai, became delusional and psychotic due to prolonged torture by the CIA. So he is not fit to stand trial in that death penalty case. Looking ahead to November 8th, that's when the third Republican presidential debate will be held in Miami. The Republican National Convention announcing that news on Friday. They also announced this debate will have the toughest requirements yet for candidates to qualify to take the stage. GOP candidates will have to reach 4% in multiple polls, They'll also need at least 70,000 individual donors to be allowed to take part. The Republican Party has yet to announce who will be moderating the third debate. I'm Brad Siegel. Beginning today, Americans can order additional free COVID-19 tests online. The free test program being relaunched by the federal government providing these free COVID tests now that insurance companies largely aren't covering the cost given the COVID pandemic emergency expired last spring. So every U.S. household can order up to four tests by going to covidtests.org. And by the way, if you have some of those old tests lying around, those probably still work. Even if the expiration date is passed, health officials say you can check that website, covidtests.org, and run the batch number through there because some of the dates have been extended in terms of expiration. And on Thursday, the House's impeachment inquiry will hold its first public hearing that expected to subpoena bank records for both hunter biden president biden's son and james biden his brother the white house by the way denies that president biden has committed any wrongdoing as he has been linked by congressional republicans to bribes and alleged influence peddling in connection to both his family and himself serving as vp under the obama administration And Mexico has reached an agreement with the U.S. in an effort to curb the number of migrants crossing the border. A record-breaking 233,000 people crossed the border illegally in August, prompting the mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas, to declare a state of emergency. On Friday, Mexican officials met with U.S. Border Patrol and reached an agreement to depressurize Mexico's northern cities. Mexico agreed to a series of 15 actions to lessen the number of migrant crossings. They include conducting interventions on Mexican railways and highways and allowing Border Patrol agents to expel migrants through El Paso. I'm Chris Caraggio. And yesterday up in the Bronx, outside of a former college dorm, a rally was held as protesters rallied against City Hall's plan to convert that former college dorm, into the latest migrant shelter, emergency shelter, as the Big Apple continues to look for space in order to house newly arrived migrants. As many as 75 demonstrators who were angry, they were holding signs that said, affordable housing, yes, migrants, no, no land grabs, save our children. And they were there despite the pouring rain outside of that Manhattan College site. WABC News Time 529, James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. So, 
Yesterday, the Yankees lost to the Diamondbacks 7-1. to That's the first time, officially, that the Yankees will be missing the playoffs since 2016. The wild card no longer a mathematical possibility. And, by the way, 1992, the last time that the Bombers had a losing record, so that is still in place. And the Mets, they were already eliminated from playoff contention, so there will be no New York playoff baseball for the first time since 2014, almost 10 years ago. When we come back, a special session for Connecticut lawmakers, the end of a seven-year NASA mission, and concerning poll numbers for President Biden as he faces the beginning of an impeachment inquiry on Thursday. I'm James Flippin, filling in for Noel Bladen this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noel Bladen on 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Monday, September 25th. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Rain continuing this morning around the tri-state into this afternoon. Widespread fog also expected. What was Tropical Storm Ophelia, now Tropical Depression Ophelia, continuing to make its impact here. Flooding has been reported, especially in coastal areas. You can expect steady temperatures today in the low 60s. Tonight, more rain. Overnight's low into Tuesday, 56 degrees, and then tomorrow rain is possible early, giving way to clouds, 63, where we'll top out on Tuesday. Wednesday, mostly sunny, 66 the high midweek, 61 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 59 in Oakland, New Jersey, and 62 in Oyster Bay on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So up in Connecticut, lawmakers will be holding a special session today. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is calling another special session of the state legislature to debate bills that would impact the state's 2024 presidential primary, among other issues. On the agenda, a bill to move the state's presidential primary in the last Tuesday in April to the first Tuesday. Lamont says the state is one of the last to have a primary, and he wants to change that. Connecticut's legislature just finished a special session last week to advance the nomination of a Lamont pick for the state Supreme Court. Nora Dennehy's nomination will get an up or down vote on Tuesday. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And check that on the scheduling. That's actually tomorrow that special session will be held. A seven-year NASA mission ended yesterday. A capsule parachuted down into the Utah desert carrying samples collected from an asteroid named Bennu. OSIRIS-REx and launched in 2016, then orbited that asteroid Bennu for nearly two years. Principal investigator Dante Loretta says the probe quickly touched Bennu, collecting an eight-ounce sample of the asteroid and then spent three years making its way back to Earth. It literally is a droplet made out of rock, gravel, and boulders that are barely held together by their own microgravity. The sample will hopefully help scientists understand how planets formed in the earliest days of the universe. Well, it's really one of our top stories here today, and it probably will be throughout the week. U.S. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey indicted by a federal grand jury on charges of bribery this past Friday. And New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, a fellow Democrat, has called on Menendez to resign. Murphy says the allegations in a corruption indictment are so serious that they compromise the senator's ability to serve. Menendez is charged with secretly aiding the authoritarian government of Egypt and trying to thwart the criminal prosecution of a friend in exchange for gold bars and cash. 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Menendez is stepping down as chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee until the matter has been resolved, but Schumer stopped short of calling for him to resign. In an email statement, Menendez accused prosecutors of misrepresenting the normal work of a congressional office and called the allegations baseless. I'm Norman Hall. WABC News Time 535. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. So some bad poll numbers coming out for President Biden this weekend as former President Trump scored a 10-point lead over Biden in a recent Washington Post-ABC News poll. The 77-year-old former President Trump came in at 52% over the Democrat Biden, who checked in at 42%. That's a hypothetical rematch of the 2020 contest, and that's a significant increase for Trump from the 49 to 43% lead that he held in that outlet back in May. Jason Miller, a Trump advisor on X this morning, boasting boasting that heads are exploding at the Jeff Bezos Amazon Washington Post. Meanwhile, just 30% of Americans, 3 in 10, approve of how President Biden is handling the economy. 64% say they disapprove, and that's according to an ABC News poll. Looking at the week ahead on Wall Street, stocks were down last week as investors are a little bit jittery over what's going on with interest rates. And recently, the Fed last decided to hold its position on rate hikes and did not hike rates its most recent meeting. But rates, basically, they're not coming down anytime soon. That's the consensus from Wall Street, and that's the consensus from traders, which when interest rates are up, that's tough on stocks. And experts say that there is another rate hike possible this year. Also, bond yields were up last week. The benchmark two-year and 10-year treasuries, their yields were way up. Um, at some of their highest numbers in close to 10 years. So that puts pressure on stocks. This week ahead, there are some key reports that you should keep an eye on. Investors will get earnings results from Costco today. And then tomorrow, there's some economic data out, new home sales, consumer confidence, the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Wednesday, durable goods orders are out. And then revised GDP numbers come down on Thursday, as well as jobless claims. And Fed Chair Jerome Powell expected to deliver remarks on Thursday. And then the week wraps up on Friday with personal income and spending, as well as consumer sentiment. Sticking quickly with financial news, Amazon is being sued by the FTC for antitrust claims. The Federal Trade Commission expected to sue Amazon for antitrust violations. That's according to people familiar with the matter. And that would be the agency's fourth swipe at the online retail giant this year alone. WABC News Time 539, James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So as of this weekend, and you can feel it, right, with the temperatures outside, a little cooler, this rain, it's from Ophelia, but certainly feels like autumn outside, and we are officially into the fall season. In November, the clocks will fall back, but we're getting into the cooler weather, the darker, shorter days, and that's a safety concern, especially for motorists. The changing of seasons means drivers need to be aware of the possibility of experiencing sun blindness from the sun shining in their eyes during the daily commute. Changing light conditions can make it hard to see other vehicles on the roadway, as well as difficulty for pedestrians and bicyclists in and around the roadway to see oncoming traffic. Morgan Dean, AAA Mid-Atlantic spokesperson, says if you're struggling to stay focused while driving, to get off the road immediately. He also urges motorists to prepare for the time change in November, as it can also throw off your circadian rhythms, and that can affect you while driving, possibly causing drowsy driving, which can be as dangerous as drunk driving. I'm Matt McClure. Well, how about some entertainment news this morning? Our apologies to 
Stallone and Dolph Lundgren, but Expendables, Expendables 4, opened with an epic flop, while None 2 again claimed the top spot at the box office. Sister Irene, you performed a miracle. The church needs another. The Nun 2 barely beat out Expendables 4 with movie audiences this weekend. The difference is that The Nun 2 has been out for three weeks and Expendables 4 is new and was expected to have a bigger opening weekend. The Nun 2 made $8.4 million domestically, according to studio estimates, while Expendables 4 earned $8.3 million. A Haunting in Venice takes the number three spot this week. The Equalizer 3 is in fourth and Barbie is in fifth. I'm Margie Zaroleta. Not a fun football weekend for Jets fans, but we did find out that the NFL has named the headliner for this year's Super Bowl halftime show. Usher will headline the halftime show for Super Bowl 58. The eight-time Grammy Award winner will take the stage at the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for the big game on February 11th. Usher's performance will mark his second Super Bowl appearance. He previously performed along with the Black Eyed Peas at the 2011 halftime show. The R&B superstar says that it is the honor of a lifetime. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Ticketmaster, they're hoping to stop scalping for Olivia Rodrigo's Guts Tour. The company announced they'll only issue purchased tickets 72 hours before the concert takes place. Regardless of when people actually bought the ticket originally, tickets will only be available electronically. Rodrigo's Guts Tour will launch in California in February of 2024. Vice President Kamala Harris, she'll visit Atlanta tomorrow as part of her Fight for Our Freedoms initiative. Administration officials say Harris will meet and engage with students at historically black colleges and universities, including Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta, and Morris Brown. The White House says as part of tomorrow's visit, Harris will engage and energize young voters on key issues that impact them disproportionately. A Virginia professor's new invention could change the way lawmakers and law enforcement officials deal with THC-impaired drivers. VCU professor Emmanuel Alves, who has a doctorate in forensic science, worked with another professor from Brazil to develop a new THC breathalyzer that offers immediate results instead of needing to wait for hours. The Virginia Mercury reports the new device can also distinguish between the presence of THC and CBD in someone's system, which have different effects. Alves hopes to have the first prototype of the THC breathalyzer finished by 2025. Marijuana advocates say the presence of THC in a person breath is not an indicator of impairment or recent cannabis exposure. I'm Rebecca Hughes. Well, this next story is pretty gnarly out of Queens. Extra charges are going to be filed against the man that cops say led them on a car chase on Friday, then while in custody, allegedly bit off the fingertip of an NYPD sergeant. Cops say Lenny Rodriguez Cruz, he hit the gas in his Nissan Altima after cops hit their lights and sirens Friday. They had noticed his out-of-state plates were expired. After nearly hitting several people, Rodriguez Cruz crashed the car and was arrested. Later, while in a holding cell at the 103rd Precinct, police say Rodriguez Cruz was acting up, getting kind of crazy in that cell. The sergeant approached, and that's when Rodriguez Cruz allegedly bit down, severing the cop's finger. The unnamed sergeant later posted a photo of his hand missing that fingertip. Rodriguez Cruz charged with DWI, assault with intent to cause disfigurement or dismemberment, 
and other counts. The New York City subway system recorded several milestones this past week as riders returned to the system post-COVID. It was on Wednesday, September 20th, when nearly 4.2 million MetroCard swipes were recorded, and that's the fourth time inside of two weeks that subway ridership went past the 4 million mark. Catherine Rinaldi is with the MTA. Long Island Railroad set a record on Wednesday. Metro North set a record on Tuesday. The subway set a record yesterday. We had 100% OTP yesterday morning. We're breaking records all over the place at MTA. OTP, which is referring to their on-time performance. The LIRR sold 242,000 tickets Wednesday. Metro North carried 224,000 riders on Tuesday, and that was a post-pandemic record high. Yesterday was Gold Star Mother's Day, honoring moms who have lost service members in the line of duty, their children killed in action. Westchester County officials, they paid tribute to moms and their fallen children with a rifle salute and taps after reading the names of those from Westchester killed while serving the country. At a memorial tribute ceremony that was in Valhalla on Friday, Hope Hollinsworth spoke about her son, Courtney Hollinsworth, who's from Yonkers, killed in 2016 in Operation Iraqi Freedom. WABC News Time 545, James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning on the 5 a.m. News Hour. And now let's talk to Ken Connolly, get the latest in sports. Good morning, James. The Yankees were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs over the weekend for the first time since 2016 after falling to the Diamondbacks 7-1 to yesterday. Carlos Rodon went 6-3, giving up five runs, three of them earned on five hits, walked one and struck out four en route to being given the loss. Here was manager Aaron Boone on missing the postseason. Um, it sucks. I mean, we, you know, it's, that's what you work hard towards all, all year round. You know, the wintertime, spring training, on through the season with, for an opportunity to play in October and compete for a championship. So, um, you know, the reality of that not being, uh, you know, in play is, you know, you know sucks. Saturday's game that was postponed is being played this afternoon. That's a 115 first pitch. Clark Schmidt takes the hill. As for the Mets, they were swept by the Phillies in a four-game set, losing yesterday 5-2. to The Bats mustered up just three total hits. Jose Buto was given the loss after going four innings, giving up four runs, all four of them earned, on four hits, walking two and striking out five. They play the Marlins tomorrow in Queens. That's a 7-10 first pitch. Joey Lucchese will take the mound. A rough day for the Jets yesterday as they dropped their 15th straight game to the Patriots, losing 15-10 at home. Quarterback Zach Wilson's struggles continue as he threw for just 157 yards and was sacked three times, once for a safety. Wilson owned up to his rough performance. You know, it starts with me. i got to find a way to be better. Um, we're going to go back and watch this film, and we're going we're gonna to find all those things, find out how we can improve. Monday Night Football doubleheader tonight. The Buccaneers host the Eagles. That's a 7-15 kickoff. And the Bengals host the Rams. That's an 8-15 kickoff. Here with your sports update, I'm Ken Connolly on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC News Time 547. James flipping in for Noam Laden this morning. So sticking with uh, sports just for a second here. That, sorry about that, Phil. Um, the Giants, they didn't play yesterday after losing to the 49ers on Thursday Night Football, but there was a plenty bloody and violent fights in the stands there in Santa Clara. And some fans who took part in those fights, they may face a lifetime ban this after a man died following an altercation between Patriots and Dolphins fans in Massachusetts during a Week 2 game between the Dolphins and the Patriots. So there's been some violent incidents being reported there in stands around NFL stadiums and could lead to some lifetime ban for fans.
WABC News Time 549. James flipping in for Noam Layden this morning. So we've got some updates here on legislation out of California that connect to some national issues. First, Governor Gavin Newsom blocked a bill that would have banned self-driving trucks that don't have a human inside. The governor said the bill was unnecessary for regulation and oversight of heavy-duty autonomous vehicle technology out there in California. And Newsom also vetoed a measure late on Friday night that would have required judges in child custody cases to consider whether or not a parent has affirmed their child's gender identity. An amendment to that bill back in June would have added affirmation of a child's gender identity to the court's standard of providing for health, safety, and welfare of children. And parents' involvement with gender identity issues, they've been a big issue here in our area, especially in New Jersey, where several school districts have challenged the state's policy. Manalapan, I know, is one of them. The policy prohibits, this is a New Jersey policy, it prohibits schools from telling parents if their child has changed their gender identity. And over the weekend on James Golden's program, he welcomed actor Kevin Sorbo as a guest. And Sorbo commented on the current reality surrounding gender identity. They've been doing it for decades now. This whole thing about making women more like men and men more like women, that's a drive society, doesn't make any sense. The woman and the man both have certain qualities that the other one does not possess. And it's weird to me that we're trying to merge the two. And look at movies. Right now, in most movies, the women are the one that kick butt. They're the ones that save the day. And you can get that full interview at WABCRadio.com by checking out James Golden's podcast. But that said, people who focus on transgender rights say things like teachers or administrators telling parents if students switch gender identity puts those kids at risk if their parents or household aren't accepting of that. And that kind of highlights the rub between people who say, hey, we're parents, we need to know what's going on with our kids. And then, you know, some elements of the state say, well, we need to protect kids if they're not going to be living in accepting households. In New York, some commuters, some people looking to get around town, can now ride public buses free of charge. The MTA is launching the free fare pilot program on five bus routes in each of the five boroughs for six months. The lucky lines include the BX-18 in the Bronx, the B-60 in Brooklyn, the M-116 in Upper Manhattan, the Q-4 in Queens, and the S-4696 on Staten Island. The routes were chosen based on ridership, fare evasion, and equity for disadvantaged communities, among other factors. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. And some people have said, how about subway lines? Are any of those subway lines going to be offered up for free? No, not so lucky up until this point. The MTA says subways are not going to be included, at least as of now. In terms of new technology, the NYPD deploying a robot to patrol the Times Square robot subway station during the overnight hours. Welcome to New York City, K-5, and welcome to the NYPD. New York City Transit President Rich Davies celebrating this new addition. I think we have more cameras than a Las Vegas casino in our subway network. Uh, now, unlike a robot in Las Vegas, this won't be serving drinks, but it will keep you safe. It's the Night Scope K-5 that will be rolling through and completing these patrols between midnight and 6 a.m. NYPD Transit Chief Michael Kemper, who we heard at the top of the story, he knows that it's going to draw some curiosity. Let me be crystal clear and dispel any rumors or concerns about this robot. It will not employ facial recognition technology. Facial recognition technology, very controversial. Uh, you know, People like members of the ACLU and others uh, focused on privacy say, you know, facial recognition technology kind of almost assumes people are doing things wrong, which is in many ways a no-no concerning 
individual freedoms and rights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a two-month pilot program that they're going to roll this robot out for. And officials say it'll be equipped with cameras. A uniformed police officer will be accompanying the robot at all times. But the department says the city will save money because it only costs about $9 an hour to operate. Mayor Adams excited about it. He says New Yorkers will have to get used to it. Someone damaged the robot, they would pay for it. You know, so, yes, are you going to get pranksters? Yes. But eventually, this is going to be part of the fabric of our subway system. So from the crossroads of the world over to Vatican City, Pope Francis has labeled the weapons industry a key driver of Russia's war in Ukraine and the martyrdom of Ukraine's people. The Pope made the comments during brief remarks to reporters while returning home from Marseille in France. Non farsi illusioni che... Francis acknowledged he was frustrated that the Vatican's diplomatic initiatives hadn't borne much fruit, but said that arms dealers are more interested in continuing Russia's war. He described the paradox that was keeping Ukraine a martyred people, that at first many countries gave Ukraine weapons, but now were taking them away. Francis appeared to be referring to Poland's recent announcement that it was no longer transferring arms to Ukraine. A Polish government spokesperson later clarified that the country was now only giving supplies of ammunition and armaments that had previously been agreed. I'm Lawrence Brooks. So repeating our top story here, WABC News Time 555, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. On Friday, a federal grand jury handed up an indictment against Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey and his wife, alleging that they accepted gold bars, a luxury apartment, a luxury car, cash, in exchange for helping Egyptian businessmen potentially avoid bank charges. And also the prosecutors allege that the Menendezes were involved in basically helping the Egyptian government. So with that kind of stuff alleged in an indictment, pretty serious stuff, Democrat Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey calling on Menendez to resign. In a statement, Governor Murphy says the alleged facts are so serious that they compromise the ability of Senator Menendez to effectively represent the people of our state. Menendez and his wife are facing federal corruption charges. The senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes. The Justice Department says Menendez illegally accepted $400,000 in gold bars from a convicted felon plus cash, a luxury car, and an apartment. This was allegedly in exchange for offering to contact the DOJ to help a developer who was facing bank fraud charges. Menendez says he's a victim of a smear campaign. Corruption charges against him were dropped in 2015. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. WABC time check is 556. So in a second here, we'll get our uh, latest traffic update. But this is something that I heard uh, from Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. And I'll tell you this, WABC's Curtis Sliwa, he's not going to like this because he teases me all the time for eating yogurt here in the newsroom. And I am a fan of yogurt, whether it be of the Greek variety or possibly the Icelandic. And it turns out that yogurt may have a previously unknown benefit, eliminating garlic odors. A new study conducted in a lab with follow-up human breath tests shows that whole milk plain yogurt prevents the most volatile compounds from escaping garlic's pungent scent and escaping into the air. So apparently whole milk plain yogurt can help you with that uh, garlic breath. Good to know. WABC News Time 557. Time check sponsored by Bulova Watches. 
and you can discover finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. Let's get you your weather forecast here this morning as you're heading out the door. Rain will continue into the afternoon. Widespread fog also expected what was Tropical Storm Ophelia, now a tropical depression, making an impact here around the tri-state. Flooding has been reported, especially in coastal areas, and you can expect steady temperatures today, right around 62 degrees. Tonight, more rain. Overnight into Tuesday, we'll get down to 56 degrees. And then tomorrow, rain is possible early, giving way to clouds. 63, the high on Tuesday. Wednesday, looking mostly sunny, topping out at 66 degrees. Coming up, it'll be Frank Morano filling in as Sid Rosenberg is off today on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It'll be him filling in on Sid and Friends in the morning. I'm James Flippin, filling in for Noam Laden this morning. And everybody have a great morning. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC.